Welcome to the Unmasked Life Podcast, a podcast to help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential. And now your host, Matt Manny. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We've got another fascinating and exciting story to hear today from Tracy Winchell. She tells her story just unlike anybody you could ever hear from, and, and there's a secret to it because she is a journalist. She has a background in journalism. She talks about how she got involved in news and media and reporting and how being in these very intense, very heartbreaking uh, scenarios and reporting on some difficult stories, how that impacted her in inner life and how she tried to cope with it. And she talks about battling uh, uh, her demons, as we've heard on other stories on the podcast, dealing with addiction, and then finding help in a community and a group of people uh, in a local church. And it's phenomenal hearing from her about what she did to overcome some of these obstacles in her own life and what help we can find when we battle those inner voices that tell us that we aren't good enough and that there's no hope. Let's listen into my conversation with Tracy Winchell. Hey, I'm so glad to have with us on the podcast today, Tracy Winchell, and she has a phenomenal, super interesting background, an incredible story, and I cannot wait for you, our listeners, to be able to hear her story today. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Cannot Thanks wait to get in Thanks for having me on, here. Matt. Oh, fantastic. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do right now, and then we'll jump into your story. I have a podcast called The Reboots Podcast. And that sort of has been the springboard the last couple of years, learning about how people have navigated change in their life. Mm -hmm. I have, I have figured out sort of the things that help us to navigate change. Right. So I help people navigate change and it's really a kind of a niche by teaching some rapid logging techniques, journaling, if yeah, you will, yeah. but not the kind of journaling where you have to climb a mountain mm -hmm. and take your leather binder and and sit down and start writing for three hours and you go through three boxes of Kleenex. That's not the kind of journaling I'm right. talking about. Right. Although it's helpful and therapeutic, I'm talking about um, – keeping a gratitude log. Uh, I yeah, do a thing, I yep. write a note to my next day self and, and it helps crush self-doubt. There are a series of, of techniques that I teach to help us become more self-aware, to help us begin to understand what we can change, what we can't, and then to have the courage to change the things that we can. And here's a spoiler alert. Most of all that we control is really ourselves, our mm. response to life mm -hmm. as it happens. Mm -hmm. And here's a here's another super duper secret. That's kind of the point of the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. That's good. So yeah, that's uh, kind of what good. I do. Oh, uh, I've already got lots lots of questions just <laughs> just from that response. But but I know the format of our of our show is really to dive into your your background a little bit and then connect the dots to where you are today and uh, help folks who 
I know just from uh, hearing that already, some things have uh, they strike a chord. So uh, tell me about where your story begins. Um, you talk a little bit about your your story. You got into journalism, and uh, you have an interest in telling people's stories. So when you were a kid, did you kind of have a knack for, like, did you interview your friends at school? Were you a part of a school newspaper? Where did this interest in people and their stories begin for you? Well, it first began in broadcasting, and I remember my 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 uncle Howard was a Green Beret linguist specialist attached to the CIA during the Vietnam War. Wow. No kidding, hero. I could go. We could do days That's about fantastic. my incredible uncle Howard, but he his family was stationed with him in Thailand okay. because they were his cover. For oh. his his or his story. Oh wow! But there were times when they would be home back stateside, and I would be visiting in the summer, and they would communicate by way of a reel-to-reel recorder. And even when I was a little girl, I was fascinated with that reel-to-reel recorder hmm. and how they just. Ex- I could hear my uncle Howard's voice, and then. I would actually get to talk into the microphone when the family was recording to send him a return reel. Mm-hmm. So one day my dad got me a little reel to reel recorder and oh my goodness, Matt, I started having a blast talking into that recorder. And as I grew, I knew that I wanted to do something in broadcasting. Mm -hmm. I was always going to be in television because my friend Janet and I would walk around our block of an evening, as we would say Mm -hmm. in Arkansas, (laughs) and would be springtime, fall, you know, wasn't quite too hot or too cold. But after supper, we would walk around and I thought it was amazing that we could hear one of two stations on in the entire neighborhood. Hmm. Little Rock had three television stations at the time. Only one wasn't very good. And so everybody was watching Channel 4 mm-hmm. or Channel 7. And you could hear Roy Mitchell. You could hear Steve Barnes. And I just thought that was awesome. <laughs> you know, today we call that appointment TV, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, or event television. And I just wanted to be part of something that powerful. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be on television. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be on the radio. I was going to be in television. Mm -hmm. That, that was just how it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. As you, well, before I jump, jump to the the next question, do you still have the reel to reel recordings of your uncle? I was going to say long gone in that wild. The, and and then the the little reel to reel of that 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 I had, you know, I've I've gone through so many recorders oh, yeah, of these. Yeah, yeah. I still still have a fascination right. with audio recorders. Right. Well, and I can't imagine too. There's something about that that quality or that it's like the the record players now today, where people love to have a record to have a little bit of the scratch. <laughs> you know, yep. we can kind of try to mimic the reel to reel, but you know, there's nothing like the yep. original. Uh, that's funny. 
Describe for you, so as you're growing up, coming up through, what was a pivotal moment for you in your, whether it's childhood or high school or even um, your, your, uh, in your 20s where you really felt, okay, this is the direction that I want to pursue? Did you have an event, a moment that you can point to that really set you up for, this is where God is directing me? Well, I guess the next logical progression was how on earth I ended up on the air. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because because when I was a senior in high school, I picked my life's first, John 15, 16, and 17. I, I went to a, a, a Christian school, mm-hmm. and I, I wrote in there I was going to be in television, mm-hmm. broadcasting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't journalism. It was broadcasting. Yeah. And in college, I was probably a sophomore, would have been 84, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe junior credit hours, but I think sophomore. Uh, and, and I got a job at a radio station mm-hmm. and I really only worked about 20 minutes every hour and was kind of bored stiff the rest of the time. So they put me in a, a production studio while I waited for the next thing that I had to record, transfer it to a cart, and then take it into the DJ so he could actually play it on a 20 to 30 minute delayed basis. I had to okay. do that twice an hour. Wow. Uh, two pieces of, of of audio that I it was my job to capture the feed as it came down. Okay. So I had a lot of time. There was another reel to reel, and I got to play with that. Yeah. But what I really wanted to do was get an internship at that KERK Channel Four in Little Rock. Yeah. They weren't doing internships. <laughs> and I my professors were telling me, "Oh, you're going to have to try something else." And I just kept trying and I just kept trying and yeah. and they put in a good word for me. I ended up working at the radio station and landing a job in February 1984, actually not a job, it was an unpaid internship at mm. Channel 4. That and I was hanging out with those people mm-hmm. that I had been hearing since childhood walking around the block in yeah. my little neighborhood with my friend Janet. Mm-hmm. So I was in heaven, as we say in Arkansas, hog heaven. <laughs> right. Got on my Razorback shirt today. Right, right. And I thought that was it. Move forward a couple of years. And I I was working in the promotions department. I was working in production. So in production, that meant that we were responsible for running camera and uh, teleprompter, running the floor for all of all of the the newscasts. Mm-hmm. So I was in the studio a lot during live newscasts. I had an opportunity to take a job full time in production, mm-hmm. or full time in promotions when I got out of when I, when I finished college, mm-hmm. I had a job with, with, it was in the line item budget. It it's, you know, I'm a semester away from graduating. Uh, we know what I'm going to do. And two of my anchor friends had heard me on the radio and I hadn't told a soul mm-hmm. except my mom, my dad, and my best friend in college. Cause, mm-hmm. and I was, it was the only time I ever used an on-air name mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I know I skipped forward here, but I no, ended up on the air on Saturday mornings 
on Oldies 1090 KWAY, which was a 100,000-watt clear channel station that you could hear all over the world. In the 60s and early 70s, uh, it, it was they had Beaker Street, and a lot of old-timers are going to know Beaker Street. Mm-hmm. It was kind of underground radio okay. all over the world. So I was at this station, was doing live stuff on the air on Saturday mornings at 10, mm-hmm. So that kind of was an experiment. I was terrified. I was throwing up in the trash can every Saturday oh, morning. You know, yeah. we were playing the Beatles and uh, some Chicago and the best of the 60s, 70s, and 80s at that time. Okay, so now I'm kind of going to catch us back up to the point where two anchors at Channel 4, one is uh, one of my dearest friends on the planet, even today. We've been friends for 35 years. And... They said, you know, you've got a great voice. Mm-hmm. You really should get in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, I don't, I don't know. I was like, well, if you say so. <laughs> right. So I went upstairs and talked to the general manager and said, I'm supposed to come up here and tell you that I want to go on the air. And he already knew this because they had primed him okay. and he's trying not to laugh. And at the time, the ownership that owned Channel 4 also owned a station in Meridian, Mississippi, and a station in El Paso, Texas. Mm-hmm. And so he says, well, you know, this is – we're near a top 50 market. You're not going to go on the air in this newsroom. We need to send you out to one of our other stations for a couple of years, you know, however long it takes you to get a 1,000 stories under your belt. Wow, okay. And – We'll bring you back at that point. So which station do you think you want to go to? And I said, well, which one is closer to Arkansas? How ridiculous a question is that, my brother? <laughs> so he's trying not to laugh, and he says, well, that would be Meridian, Mississippi. And I said, well, that's that's where I'll go. Mm-hmm. And uh, by December of that year, uh, I had moved – I graduated and moved to Meridian, Mississippi, and I spent 16 months, three weeks, and four days there. There's nothing wrong with Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I have some great friends out of that experience, mm-hmm. but it wasn't Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that seminal moment was when my friends just kind of said, uh, you need to go on the air. And, you know, I would kind of bargained with them. I said, well, okay, I'll give it two years. Mm-hmm. And I was in front of a camera. For seven years before I said, I've had enough. Yeah, yeah. Broadcast journalism is getting paid poorly to do things mother told you never to do. (laughs) Explain that. Uh, You you can get shot at. Okay. Uh, You go into um, active shooter situations. And the cops will tell you, you, if you're going to be here, get behind the this engine block and the wheel well and don't stand up or I'll throw you in jail. It would be easier to shoot you, except I'd have to do the paperwork. <laughs> oh, no. That's a, I'm not making that up. Right, right, right. That's, that's, a, great, that's a great story. So you, you also end up at, um, at house fires, trailer yeah, fires in yeah, Arkansas are yeah. bountiful and 
of course, ammunition is going off because right. it's hot in there. Yeah. Power lines are down. And if you back in the old days, I don't know how they do it anymore. But back in the old days, if we smelled ether, we we were able to diagnose for ourselves. Oh, a meth lab just blew up and oh, you might yeah. have more explosions. So stay back. Yeah, yeah. They're just an awful lot of things you need to know to be really good at your job yeah. and to not get hurt. Right. Go back for us just a little bit. One of the, the thoughts I have, when you're working your way up through, you're trying to you know, find your place in, in broadcast journalism. Did you find your approach was more of, hey, I'm just going to force the door open. I'm going to charge ahead. I'm going to create my opportunities. Or did you find yourself more in a position of, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to take the steps when they come, but I'm going to just do the natural next step and, and allow, allow God to open those doors for me? What was your kind of approach to, the, to that? Oh, I didn't need God to, for me to beat down the doors. I was going to do that myself, okay, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I'm not like that anymore most of the time. Yeah. I've learned to catch myself. But yeah, I was 22, 23 years old. Yeah. Let me at him, Lord. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Describe for us some of the heart to, for you to, to share people's stories. Stories are powerful, and they help us connect. Why is storytelling, why is journalism so important for us today? Well, first of all, I, I, I think actual news gathering gets a bum rap because mm. it's hard these days to understand the difference between opinion yeah. journalism yep. and fact. Right. And there's also an attack on journalism in our country. Mm -hmm. Just because you don't like the truth doesn't mean it isn't true. Mm -hmm. So I think it's incredibly important to be a good consumer. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's very important to understand that, yes, this media outlet comes from this worldview mm -hmm. and this sure. media outlet comes from the other. And somewhere in between is kind of where the nuances lie. Mm -hmm. Life is filled with nuance. Yeah. Life is complicated. Mm -hmm. The Bible speaks to a lot of things, but the Bible speak is silent about a lot of mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I think journalism plays an incredible role in helping us understand what is truth. Yeah, yeah. You no. Know? And then when we're able to use journalism as a storytelling device, mm -hmm. it helps us understand the implications of, for instance, policy. Mm -hmm. It helps us understand the implications of what it means to live according to the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. We hear constantly about how drugs are ruining families, and they are. Mm -hmm. But I have the privilege every single week of being among a body of people who are getting better, mm -hmm. not just from 
chemical addiction, Mm -hmm. but all sorts of hurts, hangups, and habits. I struggle madly with a lot of different things, including Mm -hmm. anger and resentment. Mm -hmm. And my brother, anger and resentment are equally disastrous Mm -hmm. to relationships, Mm -hmm. to living a life of joy. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I learned about getting better from anger and resentment Mm -hmm. is not just the teaching of the Beatitudes, Mm -hmm. but also the stories of redemption. Mm -hmm. I realize there is hope, Mm -hmm. lots and lots of hope. Mm -hmm. And that, that transformation in my life doesn't happen unless I'm hearing the stories of redemption along with the lessons of what the Beatitudes mean, what the Sermon on the Mount means. What does it mean? Blessed are those who mourn Mm -hmm. and all of that other stuff. That's so good. I want to have so much to, 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 that you've, you know, uh, hit on there, but you're, you're in a position where you're a journalist and you're helping people process their story, and you're helping people express what's going on, and you're 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 absorbing all this information, all this emotion. So, kind of two questions. I'll try to see if we can we can dissect them uh, well enough to follow up. So, the one one question is is the idea of the fireman goes to the fire to put out the fire, but who helps the fireman out when his world is burning down? So, for you as a journalist. You're 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 internalizing all of this information, all this this heartbreak, all this tension and conflict. How did you process? Uh, you, you're not going to get up and say, "Okay, after the broadcast's done, here's my story and how how I'm doing with all that's going on." So that's my first question, and then my second question would be, and this may they may entwine together here. So you said you have, you struggle with anger and resentment. How did you deal with? You have your publicly, you're a journalist. Privately, was there a connection between what you're seeing and the heartbreak of people that's connected in any way to your struggles internally, or or was it was it that it was your escape to tell other people's stories that you didn't have to deal with your story? If that makes sense. I, well, there are years of separation in there. Yeah. Um, I, I I was last on the air as a broadcast journalist in 1993. Okay. Well, uh, I covered the the Bill Clinton campaign. I'd covered him for years when yeah. he was governor. Yeah. And uh, after he went to Washington, and that was all over, while while another team was in Washington covering the the inauguration, I didn't care anything about going. Right. Right. Uh, I was actively seeking my next career. So. Okay. That's how long it has been since I was on the air. We're talking yeah. in, in in 2019, in the in the late summer of 2019 or early fall. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. and I still, Matt, I still occasionally have trouble processing everything that I saw. There yeah. are there are aromas in my brain mm. associated with. For instance, uh, the old CSI shows. Yeah, yeah. I can't watch those because the visuals evoke aromas in my head that I wow. experienced at crime scenes. Yeah. 
at traffic accidents, mm-hmm. uh, plane crash that I covered. Uh, wow. There, we were watching. Uh, my mom and I were watching um, the Ken Burns country music special the other night, mm-hmm. and they were showing the aftermath of a of a plane crash that killed Patsy Cline and some other mm. country music stars. And I really struggled with that. Really. Uh, one time I covered a fatal plane crash and there we didn't have the, the crime tape up mm-hmm. yet. And I'm I'm having a visceral reaction just talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. With that thought in mind, was there a connection then? Um you know, you, you you've talked about being a part of a group of people struggling and processing their addictions and those issues. How did you how did you then or deal with that that stuff. How did you go home and process those things? Or did you just were you a, a suppressor? Did you stuff those things down? Yeah, uh, call you can just call me a stuffer. Okay. And <laughs> and years went by, and after my dad died, uh, I I just that was too much. And he was eighty years old. And yeah. I honestly thought this sounds silly to say. I thought I was the only person whose eighty year old dad had ever died. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what led me to celebrate recovery. Mm-hmm. And so my first year of recovery, you work the 12 steps and mm-hmm. you make a fearless and searching moral inventory. And as I created that that timeline of my life, I realized that I had processed grief poorly since the age of six. It wasn't my folks' fault. My mm-hmm. folks are awesome. I just – it was just how I was wired and then I progressively developed poorer and poorer habits for processing loss, not just the loss of family members, but also just all sorts of loss. Life happens, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's when I really started to begin to not stuff, yeah. as it were. I had yeah. to dredge all of that stuff up. Mm-hmm. Or I, I say had to. I had the privilege of dredging that stuff up, examining it, and then learning to put it all aside mm-hmm. and to claim the promises um, of the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how f- for you? And you mentioned about the issue of, of grief, and I th- I think sometimes, depending on the circles that you run in, whether it's a church or socially, we almost put grief as reserved strictly for, um, for the loss of a loved one. But as for me, being a pastor and working with people, I'm finding that that there are things that happen that are losses that we don't grieve over appropriately. Uh, what would you say to that that issue? How would you describe grief? And 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 is there room to bring that? And it's hard, but is there room to bring that that terminology to the loss of an opportunity, of a relationship, of a disappointment? Um, what what are, what are your thoughts on that? My dear, dear, dear friend and one of my spiritual mentors, Ed Saucier, says it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Life is meant to be enjoyed even when it must be endured. Mm. His preaching protege, Kevin Thompson, who has a blog, writes eloquently about a never-ending grief. His Mm -hmm. daughter has Down syndrome, and he talks about 
how grief changes. Mm-hmm. You know, the from from the moment of of her birth and the diagnosis mm-hmm. to today, she she's a teenager, mm-hmm. and how much fun she is, but yet what a challenge it can be, sure. and that grief can come over us in waves, mm. and that one of the greatest. I don't. I don't want to quote him here, mm-hmm. so I want to separate that thought from my opinion, which mm-hmm. is one of the greatest disservices we as Christians do to people who are grieving is assume there is a timeline at which we must get over our grief. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think as a as an outside observer f- looking at a friend or a counselor or whoever it might be why is there that that almost incessant need to hey how's it going i'm still struggling well why have you tried this have you tried face creams have you tried this have you exercised more have you got and the whole the ptsd kind of you know why do we feel like we have to bring closure for somebody else because it makes us feel uncomfortable to sit in someone else's pain because then we have to acknowledge our own pain. Yeah. Now, yeah. You know, and, and you just hit on a really important point, Matt. Our job as believers, as sojourners together, mm-hmm. our job as a church mm-hmm. is not to try to fix people. Our job is to listen and to love and to care. We are not mental health experts. Mm-hmm. We are not social workers. Our job is to love. Mm. How that's has... not to say that, you know, that's yeah, oh, one more thing. Yeah, I, that's not to say that we shouldn't be active in social justice in some form. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all, but we're so quick to want to try to fix people. Mm-hmm. Well, I did this when I was, in, yeah. you know, that's one of the premises of Celebrate Recovery. That is one of our five guidelines, mm-hmm. you know, confidentiality and anonymity. We don't talk about stuff mm-hmm. outside the meeting. We don't talk to other people about how someone else is doing. Mm -hmm. We want to know how somebody's doing. We ask them. Mm -hmm. And we do not fix. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of the next question. As, As you're processing other people's stories, as we talked about, you're in Celebrate Recovery. When, at one point, did what point did you start to connect the dots? So you mentioned the age six. You mentioned about your dad passing away. You mentioned all these different uh, points, these different uh, traumatic scenes that you're at. Was there ever a point where you began to look back and connect the dots and see while there was heartbreak in your past, God was guiding you, leading you, directing you, loving you? And, And were there things in your past that at one point didn't make sense, but now... You're beginning to process, and they're starting to lock in. What was that? Did, has that happened? Did that happen? What did that look like for you? How did you feel? Were there people in, involved? You know, in some ways, but but I think the older I get, the less 
I feel the need to try to make sense of it all. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I see God's providence all the way through. And, I, and you know what? I always have, to some extent, what I've lacked is, is gratitude. Mm. What, I, what I lacked is that, as, as Ryan Holiday kind of explains in, yeah. in The Obstacle is the Way. Good book. Good book. The, I know, yeah. right? The world is at best indifferent to me. You know, I read that yeah. and I'm like, profound. Oh, it doesn't, the world isn't out to get me, but the yeah. world isn't my BFF. Right, right. But as a believer, I get to add to that notion that God loves me exactly yeah. as I am. He cares yeah. that I hurt, He cares that I'm uncomfortable. He cares that I have a hangnail that hurts. I don't mm. right now, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he cares about that stuff. Yeah. And and for a long time, you know, when I started a recovery, I was in step studies where we work the 12 steps. It takes maybe nine months and we we listen to each other. We 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 answer questions on our own. So it's kind of journaling. Mm-hmm. And then we we go into a group. And we just read the answers. We don't respond. We don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. We just go around the room and we share our responses. Mm-hmm. And after about nine months, we've worked the steps. And so, mm-hmm. you know, one of one of my dear friends has dealt with the loss of her twin boys. Mm. Another of my dear friends um, has experienced multiple suicides in her family. Mm. And these women were strangers to me early on in recovery. And so I felt terribly guilty that I was in such great pain that my 80 year old dad had died because they have suffered far worse than I. Mm -hmm. And then I realized God doesn't compare pain. That's good. And so that's a, that was a real truth so you, you put that alongside of the world isn't out to get me. It's not my BFF, but God loves me in my deepest and most flawed pain. Mm. I guess pain can't be flawed, but you get the idea. You know, uh, I, I wear, it's a wonder I don't have the my, my flawed t-shirt on. That's mm-hmm. pretty much my uniform. We have, you know, our, our flawed a celebrate recovery shirt yeah. for one of my CRs. Oh, that's awesome. And on the back we have all of the great heroes in the Bible yeah. who had struggles. Yeah. You know, Moses had an anger problem. Yeah. Samson kind of had a woman problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And then Thomas was a doubter. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess I guess maybe that was kind of the point where I put it all together in that I understood that God loves me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the world isn't out to get me. And mm-hmm. the first time I heard Ed say the wor- that, that life is meant to be enjoyed even when it must be endured. Mm-hmm. That's so and I've, I've, I, fa- I find this to be true for the first time in my life, the last three or four years. Even when I mourn loss, mm-hmm. there is so much 
to be grateful for. Mm. So much so that um, I'm developing a four-week program designed to help people develop a habit of gratitude. Mm. Like a like an online course or a book. It's more, or than, it's more than that. Book. It's it's a whole it's like a whole accountability program, okay. and I'm, yeah. I'm 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 deep into that process yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, just laying and, the groundwork, and it's probably at least November, maybe January before it comes out. But yeah, the yeah. idea is I, I don't want to sell something and take people's money and say yeah. good luck to you. Because right. how I learned gratitude was a friend asking me every week, how you doing with that? Yeah, yeah. That's good. And so I think accountability has got to be a huge component of that. And it's coming. I've just yeah. got some yeah. logistics to work out. I want to go back to something you had said before when they asked you, asked, had asked you about connecting the dots and you had a super profound statement about you're kind of at the point where you don't necessarily need to make sense of things. And, and in our society and, and even as, as Christians, there's almost this, this incessant need for certainty. We have the scriptures, yeah. we can trust the scriptures and, there's whole denominations that are we can tr- totally trust the Bible, but you brought up a great point. The Bible is also silent on many, many things, and we don't really like to go there and talk about that. But talk, talk to me, talk to us and listeners about uh, the wonder of uncertainty. That there are things that we will not have answers to until we get to heaven. How can we turn this whole issue on its head? I think everything we've been talking about here. Uh, there's there's bits and pieces in it, but talk to us about, for lack of a better way of explaining, the blessing of uncertainty. How can we embrace uncertainty and not fear it or force it where I think sometimes we almost, we want to know answers that it leads us down a bad path, almost oh, away yeah. from God, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm staring at um, a, a note that I stuck up here with glue, yeah. so I I don't want to pull it off because, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, one of the keys to, to change navigation involves the why questions we ask of God in the universe. Mm-hmm. Like why kids die of cancer? Uh, we're never going to know that. Yeah. It, it's tragic and it's infuriating. And we can continue to ask the question. God has given us the freedom mm-hmm. to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't do any good. The world has just fallen. Mm-hmm. And, and non-believers squirm at that. I squirm at that, mm-hmm. frankly. But asking why and railing at God mm-hmm. isn't going to change it. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that the God of the universe who sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and endure such excruciating pain, heck, even before the cross, imagine the temptations that he struggled with. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. That, he, that, that God allowed his son to endure mm-hmm. that. Do you think he enjoys seeing kids die of cancer? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. But why? There is a, a positive 
kind of question. You know, mm -hmm. Simon Sinek talks about why mm -hmm. is a motivator for developing mm -hmm. better habits and a new identity. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, the world is at best indifferent to us. Mm -hmm. It's not out to save us when we screw up. It's mm -hmm. not out to protect us from our own ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing. Sometimes we endure pain. Bad things happen to us. And other people wonder, what Tracy do that God's so mad at her for that? Mm -hmm. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if, it, 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 if I made a bad decision and smoked cigarettes and that's the reason I have asthma, well, okay. <laughs> but judging me for that isn't helpful, right? Right, right. Doesn't move the ball forward. Yeah. But I get to use this affliction, this lung affliction, as a motivator to guess what? Become a better listener. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's what I do with what life hands to me that brings honor and glory to our Father mm -hmm. or brings him great heartache and inflicts great pain on other people. Mm -hmm. We may ask, why did someone I love die in a car accident? Mm -hmm. Well, because some the, the other person made a horrible choice mm -hmm. to check his text message instead of keep his eye on the road. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a large portion of why bad things happen. Yeah. And we're we're our bodies are flawed. Mm -hmm. You know, this side of heaven, our lives are going to be as broken down as 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 a boat, you know, mm -hmm. people around Arkansas, we have a lot of lakes say uh, the two best days in a boat's life are the day <laughs> I bought it and the day I sell it. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Our, our our bodies are like that. Yeah. 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 Did that answer your question at yeah, all? Yeah, Did well, I just go off on a tangent? No, no, no. It's good because it, it, I've been as you're, as you're explaining this and talking about it. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, she wrote uh, Eat, Pray, Love, and she's written some other stuff. But she wrote a book called Big Magic, and it's about writing and the writing process and things. But one of the things she says in there, she has writing students, and she tells them or asks them, "Do you love writing?" And they say, "Well, yeah, I love to write. That's why I'm in your class." And then she says, "But does your writing love you?" And they say, well, no, because it doesn't come out like I wanted to. And I've always uh, loved that, that, that way to process. And I think as Christians, if you'd ask any, any one of us, do you, do you love God? Oh, yeah, sure I do. Does God love you? Well, uh, why do you think we struggle with that, that interchange? That we all want to look good. We love God. Sure, we love God. Or even, do you love life? Yeah, I love life. I love God. Is God good to you? Is life Has life been good to you? And we struggle with that response. How do you explain that? Because you, you've already, already shared with us, you've gone through all these things, and you've pulled in gratitude and processing grief. How can you sit here and say, as much as I've faced and as much as these other people around me have faced, we can still say, yes, we love God, and to proclaim God loves us. How can you be so confident, Tracy, to be able to say that? Well, it, it, it's been a struggle, and, and that's kind of, that's one of the, the, the steps of recovery. Yeah. Believe that God exists, that I matter to him, 
and that he power has the power to help me recover. Mm. And I'm going to steal this line from a testimony that, that I heard recently. Go for it. Our, our problem as believers is that we learn to believe in Jesus. We just don't believe him. Mm. Say that again for us. We, we've learned to believe in Jesus. We just don't believe him. Mm-hmm. And you couple that with the step that I just talked about. We believe that God loves us, mm-hmm. that we matter to him. Think about that, because if, if we think God is punishing us, mm-hmm. like, like uh, my friend Mason, mm-hmm. uh, Reboots Episode 8, he is the wife of, of my friend Ada, Reboots Episode 4, who talks about the premature birth of their twin boys and their death. Mm. Mason in Episode 8 talks about how he knew in his heart that his drug addiction was responsible for the death of his boys mm. and his pain, which is a lie. Mm. So one of the big struggles, and I'm, one of the big struggles that we have when we're honest with ourselves mm-hmm. is that we think we don't matter to God. Mm-hmm. How has hearing stories like that so a story from Mason, from his wife, and the guilt that, that they're going through. How has hearing stories like that changed your life and given you a better appreciation for life to, to realize that as deep and as to the darkest places as some of these people have gone, even in your group, yet they're still here today, and they're still doing the best they can. Every day is not incredible. They're not... You know, eating Lucky Charms and walking on cotton candy and, you know, eating uh, frozen yogurt, you know, but they're living life and they're going day to day. How has Brother, that... I'll, I'll do you one better than that. Go for it. Because, Go for it. Because I talk about Ada and Mason. Yeah. And Ada was the first, was the leader in the first step study I ever did. So mm. Ada introduced me to the 12 steps in a, in an amazing way. Mason had just come out of, of, uh, rehab. Mm -hmm. And these are part of their stories. I'm not talking out of school here. They've shared this with, with everybody. And they share their struggle of faith as part of their recovery journey. Mm Mm-hmm. What brought Ada to faith was our mutual friend, Ed Saucier, the Mm -hmm. guy I quote, Mm -hmm. you know, saying life is meant to be enjoyed even when it must be endured. Ada is on the phone with Ed asking him why her boys are sick, why all of this dying, why her husband continues to struggle. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I can't say this the way Ada says it, but Ed's the one who listened, that church loved on them, even when they were out of state. Mm -hmm. 
And Ed basically said, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't have the answer. It's excruciating. Mm -hmm. But what I know is that I cannot imagine enduring such imaginable pain without God. Mm. So what happens here in this, in this timeline of stories is that Ada comes to faith because Ed speaks truth to her. Ed invites her into recovery. Mm -hmm. Then it's time for... Mason to be welcomed into recovery and yeah. to find recovery. And then I come along. I'm a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this, Matt, is a matter of us being obedient, mm -hmm. authentically living our stories and authentically yeah. sharing our stories when we're asked. Mm -hmm. To constantly berate somebody who's struggling and say, you've got to have recovery, your life is screwed up, is stupid and insensitive and incredibly audacious and unchristlike. Mm -hmm. Our job is to love people where they are, the way Ada loved me where I am, mm -hmm. the way Ada loved Mason where he was, the way Ed loved both of them and me and mm -hmm. thousands of other people. So what I get to do is live my story, share my story when asked, mm -hmm. and trust the Holy Spirit to take care of the rest. Mm. Because I'm not fixing people. Right. I'm loving right. them. That's so good. Oh, Does so that good. answer your question at yeah. all? Yeah. We've got two more questions. And we're running out of time. What was missing from the podcast community that you felt I gotta I I gotta start a podcast to have people share their stories and start the reboots podcast? Because oh, I don't think there's anything missing out there in podcast land. Yeah. I think for me, reboots podcast is an expression of my obedience mm. and the obedience that Ed and Ada and Mason and my friend Carolyn and so many other people have practiced that brought me into recovery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it's nothing more than, okay, Lord, this makes no sense to me, but <laughs> all right, I'm on it. Yeah. That's yeah. all. That's, that's what reboots yeah. is. That's fantastic. All right. Final question for us. What would you tell a 15-year-old Tracy if you could go back after all that you've gone through and you could tell a 15-year-old you, what would you say? Have fun, kid. That's good. You know, don't take yourself so seriously. Just have fun. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Tracy, this conversation has been fantastic. There oh, so I've many enjoyed it. Nuggets of gold so much that I wish we had more time. And we'll have to do a part two to be able to cover because I I want to cover. Um, you mentioned in your bio on your website about the 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 science behind human behavior and about kind of people's motivation and why people do what they do. And I 
I'd love to be able to cover some of those things. But if people want to get in contact with you and connect with you on social media, what's the best way they can connect with you on social media? And how can they find the, uh, your podcast? Well, there's uh, on on Instagram and Twitter, there's Reboots Podcast. Okay. Uh, same thing at uh, on, on Facebook. My my personal side, and I probably should have just combined the two. You can find me on Facebook at at uh, uh, facebook.com Tracy dot T R A C Y dot W I N C H E L L. Here's a warning, though. I won't respond to Messenger. <laughs> okay. I just rarely open it, but yeah, uh, you yeah. can send me an email. T R A C Y at rebootspodcast.com. That's with an S. And uh, you can find uh, all of my podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, a few other places, and at rebootspodcast.com. That's also a good place for you to find um, some of my uh, rapid logging techniques. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in fact, uh, one of my favorites is a note I write to my next day self, mm -hmm. uh, and you can access that, uh, that guide at rebootspodcast.com forward slash change. Great. That's fantastic. Tracy, it's been so good to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us for Thanks, this Matt. incredible conversation. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Man, Tracy is awesome. What a conversation. She has such a heart for people and she just doesn't hold back and totally honest. And I love that being able to hear that in a guest on the podcast. Hey, if you'd like to hear more of Tracy's story and even uh, be able to follow her, she has her own podcast, The Reboots Podcast, where you can go ahead and hear uh, stories like Tracy's of God's grace, forgiveness, and helping us to reboot our lives as we follow Jesus Christ. And so I'd encourage you to go over and uh, check out Tracy's content. She's got some amazing stuff there on her website and her podcast. Hey, thanks so much for subscribing. I'd encourage you to leave a rating and review so we can get this content in front of more people to be able to encourage people how to be able to leverage their past, fulfill their purpose, and be able to unmask their potential. Speaking of Unmasked, we have a book that kind of dovetails and goes along with this podcast called the Un, uh, called Unmasked. You can find it on Amazon where I share and talk about the battle that we struggle with with shame when we feel that we can't overcome shame. And then the subtitle of that book, Unmasked, is Overcoming the Shame That Says You're Not Enough. We go ahead and do a deep dive into looking at how we suffer from and feel shame uh, with our insecurity, how we feel shame with indecision, with insignificance, with rejection, and then uh, inadequacy. And so if you're interested, you can go ahead and pick up a copy. You can also uh, get the audiobook if you'd like to listen to that. We have it both in audiobook, paperback, and on Kindle. If you'd like to go ahead and get a stripped-down version of that, just kind of a synopsis of it, I pull one section, one part of the book out, and uh, put together a kind of a mini-book called The Shame Effect that talks specifically about rejection. I believe that shame surfaces most clearly and most defined when we uh, find rejection in our relationships. So I kind of share uh, my story of how Amanda and I met, and and that's a horrible segue. It sounds horrible. Rejection, and this is how I met my wife. But it's a great story. It'll make you laugh, but it'll kind of give you uh, some insight into the principles as we talk about how to overcome shame 
and rejection and how much God loves us that we know we are loved when we know that we belong. So I'd encourage you to run over to Amazon and check that out. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Until next time when we have more encouragement, insights, and interviews from folks, I'd encourage you to work on your relationship with God and know that He loves you. He has a purpose and plan for you. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. You've been listening to the Unmasked Life Podcast. Join us next time for more great content that will help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential.